listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Hey, so good to see you guys this morning. Thank you for being with us this morning. I'm, uh, I'm Pastor Jason, if you don't know, and, and uh, man, am I glad to see you here and, and being a part of our, our family this morning. Um, we always say that we're not just a church, we're not just an organization, we're not a nonprofit, we are a family of believers. And so if this is even your first time with us this morning, Welcome to the family. So we're so glad you're here, and it's so good to see some of our CBU students back, and good to see you guys. Thanks for uh, coming back from summer break, because endless summer is really um, tempting, <laughs> right? So it's, it's uh, yeah, so anyways, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, just ignore me. Hey, uh, awesome. Well, uh, if you look hard enough, you will find people that will unify around just about anything. If you look, if you really look, like you squint your eyes, you you can find people who will unify around just about anything. The average football stadium seats around 70,000 people. That's on average. There's some more than that, right? And, and, And those stadiums are filled with people unified in their love for their team, right? Unless you're the Chargers. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> day, so, so, so the day after Thanksgiving, right, people will get up long before dawn, like long, like the crack before the crack of dawn, right? Like they, they will get up before dawn and line up in front of these stores along with thousands of other people, right? Unified in their desire to save money on Christmas gifts, right? Until the doors open, that is, and then it's every man, woman, and child for themselves and may the odds ever be in your favor, right? Like seriously, that's what I think of on Black Friday is the Hunger Games, (laughs) like seriously. Uh, Some people think It's cool to unite around their dislike of another race or person's skin color. Some people think it's cool to uh, go to the local Walmart and clean out the tiki torch section and, 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 and unite to spew their horrible, hate filled hearts all over everyone that comes in their path. And those of us that believe, that that hate is an evil straight out of the pit of hell will raise our voices and unite around the fact that we believe that racism has no place in our beautiful melting pot of a country. All you have to do is open your Facebook app and you will find people uniting around something. Like, like, a recent example, a really recent example of that is the eclipse, right? There, there, there was the eclipse madness on my social media feed, right? Like I, and, and it was cool and all, but I can't tell you how many grainy photos of the moon with like a thumb in it I saw, right? Like, like I saw so many of those, and my wife was, 
My wife is kind of like a science nerd, like she wants to be a science teacher someday, and, and she, she's a science nerd, and she asked me, like, are you excited about the eclipse? And I'm like thinking, like, I'm actually preparing for the apocalypse after the eclipse happens, right? Like, I'm prepared to be Will Smith in Independence Day if necessary, right? Like, like that's, that's what's up, right? So, uh, <laughs> but the truth is, unity is a word that has kind of lost some of its impact, right? Because it, it gets so, it, it gets used so much for so many different contexts, but unity should be something that stands out, especially within the context of church. We're in week two of a sermon series called Why Church? And for the next few weeks, we're going over some of the basic reasons of why it's vital to be in a community of, of believers. And we would also like to, uh, to disrupt some of your preconceived notions about church a, 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 that you may have by discussing what the church was meant to be and how we can make our way back to what it was meant to be. And last week, was anybody here last week? Last week... Um, Last week, Professor Ricardo knocked it squarely out of the park, right? Like with his message on experiencing God within the context of a community of believers. And he reminded us that the church is not a building, right? It's not a place we go to. It's people. It's people. And and, and one thing he said last week, I loved that... that, um, was that you can come to service every Sunday. You can come to service every Sunday and still not be in church, right? That's so true because being being the church, being in the church is about um, engaging with God and engaging with other believers. And as we all know, you can be in the building at a service and choose not to engage. You can't. And that was a powerful, convicting word for me. And so I just want to thank you, Ricardo, for allowing God to use you in a powerful way last week. Like, seriously, thank you. Yeah. Um, that, that was one of, one of the best messages I've heard. So, so if you missed out, don't miss out any longer. Go to the podcast on our website and, and, and hear it for yourself. And, and so with tagging off of what Ricardo said about the church being people, that begs the question, what does church unity look like? What does church unity look like when the church is healthy and firing on all cylinders and acting from the right motives? What does church unity look like? And and if we're not there, how can we begin to participate in the unity of the church? And to answer that question, let's take a look back at the early church in the book of Acts. So you can go ahead and turn to the book of Acts now if you have your Bible with you or your iDevice, and um, and so go ahead and turn there at, to the to the book of Acts. Uh, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is accounted for in the Gospels of the New Testament. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you're looking for Jesus, he's scattered throughout the whole Bible. But the account of his ministry is in those four books. 
But Jesus actually makes a short appearance in the beginning of the book of Acts uh, as well, and, uh, which was recorded by Luke, the author of, of Acts. And, and after Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to the disciples, right, face to face and taught them many things and over a period of 40 days. And, and, and then as Acts chapter 1 tells us, Jesus tells the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem under any circumstances. Wait for the gift that my father promised you. And he reminded them that John baptized with water, but that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit and soon, right? And then the disciples started asking him questions like, so is now the time you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Like, are you going to, Jesus, are you going to take the throne now? And Jesus is like, you, you, you don't need to know the time. The timing is the Father's business, but what you do need to be focused on is what's coming from the Father, right? Uh, Because in Acts 1.8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's the gift. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In the Christian Missionary Alliance, which is our denomination, we call ourselves an Acts 1-8 family because Jesus used his last few words on this earth to leave us with a job to do. And we never want that job to stray too far from our identity as believers. And, and, and at, uh, after, after saying this, Jesus is taken up in a cloud right before the disciples' very eyes, disappearing from the earth, and two angels appear saying, like, hey, what are you guys doing standing around here? Don't worry, he'll come back just like in the same weird way he, he just left. And and and, and uh, but don't you have a job to do? Like, like get to it, you know? Right? He kind of snapped them out of out of the haze that they were in. And and what was the first thing on the list of the job description that Jesus left for the disciples to do? What was the first thing? Close. To wait. To wait. Right? The first thing Jesus told them to do before he said, go be my witnesses, to wait and to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? And can you imagine being the disciples at this point? Man, that, like, like you, you believed... You found, you found this man that you believe to be the savior, savior of the world, and he gets hung and dies on a cross. But then three days later, he's raised again, right? And he shows himself to you, spends time with you, and teaches you many things about the kingdom of heaven. And, and, and you think it's obviously now time for him to reclaim the throne of Israel and watch as all nations bow before him. But instead, he leaves you with a job to do and disappears into the sky on a cloud. That must have been an emotional roller coaster for these guys, right? Like, like oh, oh man, he's the son of God. Oh, oh wait, he, he, he's dead. No, wait, he isn't. He's not dead. He's alive. Now he'll rule forever. Oh, wait, he's gone. Right? Like, like, can you imagine the emotional roller coaster these guys were on? That, that is a lot of emotions to deal with in a re- relatively short amount of time. And, and so they're standing there looking up at this empty sky, 
And, and, and you, they have to be thinking like, what now? Like, what now, right? But, but, but I love what comes next. And it's very subtle, but I think it's so important for us to take note of. And, uh, in Acts 1, uh, 12, 13, and 14, uh, says that the disciples left the mountain of olives and returned to the upper room in Jerusalem. And the place they had been using as kind of a headquarters, they, they returned to it. And, and, the, and the passage lists the, name of the, ele- the names of the 11 disciples that were left, because remember, Judas the betrayer was no longer with them. And, and I love the way the message Bible puts this, uh, this next what, what, what they choose to do next. I love the way the Message Bible puts it. The Message is just a modern language paraphrased version of the Bible, so it's really easy to understand. But I, I, I love the way the Message Bible puts 12, 13, and 14. It says, So they left the mountain called Olives and returned to Jerusalem. It was a little over half a mile. They went to the upper room they had been using as a meeting place. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, son of James. They agreed they were in this for good. Completely together in prayer, the women included, also Jesus' mother, Mary, and his brothers. Despite the emotional roller coaster, uh, they had been on, and before any proof was given uh, that something miraculous was going to happen next, they decided to unify themselves. Together, they go back to the upper room and they commit that they are in this together for good. For good. Are you in this for good? Are you in this for good? They commit that they are in this for good, before the Holy Spirit even comes. And, and it says that everyone was included. The disciples, the women, Jesus' mother and brothers, they were completely unified together in prayer. And, and if you know what happens next in Acts 2, you know that there are some massive signs and wonders that the Holy Spirit does through the, through the disciples. But they didn't know that yet. They didn't know what was coming next. They, they simply just chose to unify themselves, trust, and believe. And in Acts 2, the promised Holy Spirit comes on the disciples from the Father. And needless to say, that was a gift that not, did not disappoint, right? Uh, we, we don't have time to go into it a ton, so I really think you, you should read it this week on your own time because it's an incredible account of the work of the Holy Spirit. Because up until this point, the disciples have been kind of this ragtag bunch of guys, right? Uh, who who kind of get it, but not, not really. They, they don't really get it. And they, they have a lot of misconceptions, and they make a lot of mistakes along the way. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, Peter, the guy who just denied Jesus three times, stands up in front of thousands of people and preaches the gospel of Jesus with an authority unlike anyone has ever seen besides Jesus. It says that the people around listening to Peter teach were cut to the heart and and said to Peter and the other disciples, now that you've told us that Jesus 
is the Son of God and we crucified him, how can we be forgiven? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So they received his word. So so those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls. All of a sudden, what was a relatively small group of believers is now 3,000 strong, over 3,000 strong. Talk about a game changer, right? And, and I'm actually kind of jealous of Peter. Dude preached one message and 3,000 people came to Christ. Like, come on. You know, like if that were me, I would have been like, mic drop, you know, like, peace out, I'm retired, right? Like, but thankfully... Peter didn't do that. <laughs> but, but now they have this big group of people who are now a part of the fellowship of believers, right? It's a much larger group. They're, they're part of the church, the, the people, right? And, and, and it was easy for them to be unified when it was just a few people. But what happens now? Remembering that church is not a building, what does the large church of people who believe in that Jesus was the Christ do now. This, this, this early church sets the example of what I was talking about before. A healthy, vibrant, hitting on all cylinders, acting from the right motives church. Luke describes what the radical unity of this church looked like in Acts 2.42. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and and read these few verses, uh, Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and and, uh, distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is only six verses. Just six. It's a small amount of scripture. But it paints a, like such a vivid picture of what it was like to be a part of that early church in the beginning. The beautiful Christ-centered unity that they all shared can be summed up in three words. So if you're a note taker, get out your pencil. <laughs> right? Uh, the first one is committed. Committed. This group of believers were committed. 
We see it even before the Holy Spirit comes. When, they, when their numbers were small, they got together and they decided they were in this for good. When their family of believers became larger after the day of Pentecost, we see these believers committing themselves to the teachings of Jesus from the apostles. They committed themselves to prayer and to the breaking of bread, which is probably contained communion, but it was also just eating meals together. It wasn't just communion. It was like eating together. And food is a huge part of community in my opinion, because when you pass someone in the hallway at work or in downtown Redlands or in the, in the entryway at the church or whatever, like, like, uh, and you ask them how they're doing, what do you get? Oh, I'm okay. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Okay. I'm good. Move it along. Right. And, and, but when you sit down with that same person and you stick a burger in front of them or you stick a a cup of coffee in front of them, for whatever reason, people begin to open up. People begin to open up. So, so the early church was committed to breaking bread together because around the kitchen table is where real life happens, Amen. right? That, that, that's why I have one in my office instead of a couch, because if I had a couch, I'd be tempted to take naps all the time, but I have a big kitchen table, which is, right, I do. Yeah, it's true. That's true. <laughs> and, and, and I think this commitment shows how devoted they were to one another. They desired to be authentic. They desired, they desired to be in authentic, committed relationships with each other. And because of this genuine commitment to God's word and each other and praying together and eating as a family, they became captured. Captured, that's the second word, captured In verse 43, it says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Did you hear that? Awe. Awe. They were captured by awe. Too many times we can read our devotion or read scripture, or we can come to a service, or we can sing a worship song and not allow ourselves to be captured with awe of God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because they were living in community. They didn't just know what God was doing in their lives, their own lives. They knew the testimonies of others as well. And and that increased the wow factor of how good God was in the whole community. It's a lot easier for the devil to trick you into writing off something that the Lord is doing in your life if you don't allow others to see it. And when we share it, it doesn't just increase your faith, it bolsters the faith of those you share it with too because they can see it happening before their very own eyes. And... and, And when you're not the only one seeing it happen, it's a lot harder to write off as coincidence, right? And everyone becomes captured with the awe of God. And he is awe-worthy, is he not? The early church was so captured with, with the love of God and the love for each other, that they started selling their possessions to make sure everyone had all that they needed. Now that is revolutionary. It's almost like they loved their neighbor as themselves. 
right? I think I heard that somewhere before, right? And because of this love and generosity that this church was marked by, people took notice. I use those two words, love and generosity, together because generosity is the natural overflow of love. Their love for God and love for each other was so evident that it overflowed into radical generosity and people began to take notice. And that love and generosity became contagious. Contagious, right? That's that third word, contagious. In verse 46 it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So they attended the temple, which was the big service, and then they were breaking bread in homes. So they had the smaller gatherings. So, so they had both, right? A- a- attending temple together and breaking bread in homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. And having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. Have you ever seen pictures on social media of a really amazing looking party that you did not get invited to? (laughs) Right? I actually don't know what that's like. I always get invited to the amazing parties. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sorry. Uh, But, like, that's the feeling that people encountering the early church would feel. It's like, if you've ever been in that place, you're like, oh, I want to be a part of that. Like, oh my gosh, that looks amazing. I want to be a part of that. And and that's the feeling that these people encountering the early church were were feeling. The difference is is that the, the early church party was just getting started, right? And they welcomed everyone with glad and sincere hearts. And, and there was a contagious vibe that the early church carried that was marked by love for God, love for each other, and overflowed into radical generosity. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. And when you step back and look at the 10,000 foot view of the early church, What we're really talking about here is unity. That's what we're talking about. Wholehearted, radical unity. Not obligation, not drudgery, but passion around one thing. The love that Jesus taught them about before he left the earth. And they were unified around it every day alongside their brothers and sisters. Worship team, if you would come on up as I just begin to close out here. So why is this unity so important? I mean, people can and will unify around so many different things. Why was it so important that the unity of the early church, the believers in Christ, be so radical? It's because God was using this radical unity to transform lives and bring people into relationship with Jesus. Think about it. Anytime you've met someone that has been turned off by the church, right, or burned by the church, did the church that they encounter reflect what we see in the early church? I'm not talking about our church services because the services aren't the church. 
The people are the church. So, did these people see the early church reflected in the people that they met at the church that they were turned off by? Did they encounter people who were enthusiastically committed to growing in the word of God, to stay in deep connection with each other, to praying together and to eating together? Did they encounter a people who were captured by the awe of what God is doing in their community? My guess is that they didn't. Because if they did, it would have been contagious to that person. Instead, they may have found a people full of obligation and routine. A people that are more concerned with church politics than engaging with the presence of God. It's easy to be critical of this type of church when it's not your church, but this begs the question what about the mission? What about the mission? How unified are we as believers in the mission? And, and I wish I had a pie chart to show you the percentages right now, but I'm just not that guy. Like, Ricardo is, I'm not, but I'm just not that guy. But I will say this, even though our church is very, very strategic and purposeful about some of the aspects of what is reflected by the early church, I know we still have work to do. But may the mission be found as a church of believers that care deeply about knowing the truth of God's word. May we be found as a church that cares about the needs of others as much as we care about our own needs. May we be found as a praying church. A church that prays with expectation for God to move. May we be found in the authenticity that happens around a kitchen table. May we be found as a unified church with a singular focus, Christ's love. Would you pray with me? Father God, You're so good. You're so awe-worthy. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to convict our hearts right now. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to dwell in this place. Lord, speak to our hearts the things, Lord, that we are just doing in relationship with you just out of routine. Lord, speak to our hearts the things that are passionless. Speak to our hearts and remind us how much you love us and how passionate you are about us, Lord. 
Remind us, Lord, that this life is not about us. Lord, that Lord, that it is about bringing people into the kingdom of heaven. So, Lord, that we can spend eternity in unity praising your name. Father, we just invite you to have your way now. We just invite you to do what you do best, Lord. We invite you to heal the broken heart. We invite you to heal broken bodies, Lord. We invite you to bring restoration to relationships, Lord. Lord, your church, the people, we know we're not perfect. We know we mess up daily, God, hourly, by the minute, sometimes, Lord. Lord, we ask your forgiveness. Lord, wash us with the blood of Jesus so we can be white as snow. We invite you to move in this place now, Father. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.